is someone that that really values the team culture um, and understands that by just working alone, we're not going to create the best product and the, the best outcome. So, so, so an engineer for me that understands the value of the team, understands that whilst they have experiences um, and they have domain expertise, equally so do their peers, and we have to learn from each other. In today's episode of Tech Talks, I'm talking to Jonathan Prest, the CTO at SalesCycle. We're talking all about how they're helping recover lost revenue, those bags that you leave full online for retail, for travel and leisure, for fashion, the stuff that you think you're going to buy that you're going to come back to. That causes a massive problem for so many companies. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, joined today by Akish, where we meet leaders from across the industry and discuss the latest tech news. I am joined by Akish. Hello. And I, and I, I actually am joined by Akish. I don't, I don't mean via video. We're not. We're actually... Yeah, you're 3D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sat in front of you. And the recording date, just in case anyone is worried, is the 15th of October. Mm-hmm. It's not yet Saturday morning. Yeah. Obviously, this is going out on Friday, so that would be remarkable if it was. Correct. But uh, we've not yet entered Tier 2 just yet. We're not in that zone yet. No. We're not in the two. Soon to be. I don't really understand Tier 2, though. I don't you, either. You can't mix with people from different households, but you can go to the pub, but not with, other pe- not with people not from your household. I think, yeah, I think you can go to the pub or restaurant or bar with your household yeah which my boss pointed out kind of was not the point of going to the pub <laughs> yeah but I think I think it means that you can take your kids out for a meal if you if you have kids you can take your wife girlfriend if you live with someone I don't know how many how many like I, I, I don't mind taking Hayley to the pub that's yeah, fine yeah. but I know some men that actively would find that to be counter to the to the whole point of it yeah you'll probably end up ruining their marriage they're probably having to look for a, look for a place in covid mate to be fair um but yeah it's just just weird i don't know it doesn't make a lot of sense not many things are making sense to me at the moment to be fair especially <laughs> with all this covid stuff but yeah well, i don't we, know we've snuck into the office taking the advantage well possibly one last time before before christmas it feels like that march day again did it like, do you remember the day before we actually as a as an organization it, everyone worked from home and it was like mm. Or oh, this is it for a couple of weeks. It feels like oh, we're about to enter another seven, eight months of lockdown again. But don't know. Crazy. And on that happy note, let's mm. take a trip north to Newcastle. Let's go. Then we'll be back with some commentary and a bit of tech news later on in the show. So today I'm talking to Jonathan Prest. Jonathan, you're the Chief Technology Officer at Sales Cycle. How are you today? Very well, thank you. Nice to be with you. Uh, yes, no, thank you for taking the time to, to jump on and speak to us. Uh, before we get into anything meaty, who is SalesCycle? So SalesCycle is a technology company. and uh, We're working in the marketing technology sector. Uh, te- SalesCycle helps clients to recover lost revenue. Uh, we track consumer activity across uh, websites and we're able to identify abandoned purchases and then send a little nudge back to the consumer to try and uh, get them to complete those purchases and recover revenue for our our customers. And our customers really um, are operating in three different sectors, retail, which I know is quite a broad term, um, Mm. but retail and then travel and leisure and also fashion. And so we're working with some uh, fairly respected brands to be able to uh, help them to recover those lost sales. Now, 
I would be it'd be interesting because I know that obviously over the pandemic, you know, e-commerce in particular, yeah, we all, yeah. we're all aware of groceries, yeah. obviously kind of people doing their online shopping for, for their week shop online. But um, in terms of I, I've gone and bought a whole load more, obviously, through fashion and, and yeah. uh, clothing websites and whatever else. Has that led to an increase of, of people leaving stuff in baskets or has that stayed largely in line percentage wise with what you'd expect? I think when the pandemic hit, we we did see a, an uptick in in retail for the reasons that you've you've cited there. So we've we've seen people working at home. Uh, people are getting used to ordering things online, used to receiving deliveries from van drivers every day coming to the house, and people adjusting their shopping habits, not really wanting to queue outside supermarkets quite as much. Mm. Um, so certainly in the retail space we, we've seen a, a, a bit of an uptick there uh, compared to our normal levels but where we have seen a slight downturn is clearly in in travel and leisure when people stopped moving around the world uh, because of covid um and so so that sector has has uh, suffered quite a bit and obviously we're we're watching in eager expectation to see whether uh, things will start picking up as, as restrictions are either lifted or uh, in more practical measures uh, kind of put in place by by governments to allow travel a bit more easily. Um, so yeah, it's been been a bit of a mixture really. Um, mm. but clearly, we're we're in the right space. I think people's buying habits are changing. Uh, whilst people may still go to a physical bricks and mortar store, increasingly we're all shopping online. Uh, you and I are probably doing that. You know, I received a delivery yesterday. There's probably one coming today or tomorrow, um, and it's just the way of things. So it's a good space to be in. Whenever there's a knock at the door at the minute, I have to tell my wife that I promise her I haven't bought something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and funnily enough, um, I got a text from from my mum say, saying that uh, a package had turned up in Northumberland. Um, and I'll mention why this is relevant, but uh, it was her birthday a couple of days ago, uh, but turned up in Northumberland. You obviously are also based up in the northeast. I'm from Newcastle originally, so it's always nice to have a northeast business on the pod. Yeah, we're um, we're we're based in the northeast. We're just between Sunderland and Durham. Although saying where you're based now is it's quite a strange thing because everybody is based everywhere. And, yes, uh, we, we've moved to a, a remote and flexible working model, uh, which is which is nice for employees. But yes, the the office that we still have and that we drop into occasionally is in is in Sunderland between Sunderland and Durham, in a town called Horton Spring. And then mm-hmm. SoulCycle also has a an office in Paris um, and we have a, a sales team over there and an account management team. And we actually have one chap all the way out in Singapore that's servicing our customers in the far East. So um, yeah, we're well, it's, like, it's like nothing's changed for him, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, uh, the business was founded out of a, out of a software group um, that I worked for um, previously as well as some of the other, the other businesses in that group. And um you know, it's a, it's a successful group. It's an entrepreneurial group. Uh, we grow tech businesses from an idea um, to to the kind of size that sales cycle is now. So, look, you, you mentioned there that you're not really based anywhere. You have an office that you can still drop into. Yeah. Your your team, your team is set up in an agile environment. But mm-hmm. we, we were doing some prep, so just to kind of pull back the curtain, Wizard of Oz moment. But you were talking about the fact that the broader business is locked into Waterfall. Do you mean do you mean your wider business and the engineering teams work in Agile or do you mean that the the, the external clients that you're working with might working in ad, in an agile waterfall environment? It's just sorry, in a waterfall environment, just to kind of understand the dynamic and how the, the organization works. Yeah, I think I was referring primarily to the to the way the organization set up, but it's not mm-hmm. 
um, unique to sales cycle by any stretch. It's something that I've seen in a number of organizations that I've worked with or you know had dealings with. And I think as, as, as engineers and as technologists, we adopted more agile ways of working maybe 10 years ago. Um, uh, but, but the businesses that we're delivering product into perhaps are still in the mindset of a, of a more waterfall way of working, a more sequential way of working where, you know, things are specified fully up front. We spend months and months, maybe years delivering something and hope that what comes out at the end is roughly similar to what we thought was going to come out, you know, all the way back at the start. And I think as engineers, we, you know, we, we like working in an agile way because it's, uh, for me, it's all about continual refinement. It's about feedback loops. It's about early releases, early visibility, allowing testing, allowing early adopters in the client base to have a look at features before they're fully finished, um, just to get a sense that we're heading down the right road, that we're working in, you know, we're kind of addressing their needs in the best way. But one of the challenges that I've found is that um, when you're trying to work in that way within the organization, very much the, the sort of broader business is expecting you to set off, let's say, in January and tell them exactly what they're going to get in December on the exact date in December that's going to land. Um, and trying to bridge that gap between how we prefer to work in an engineering function versus what a business expects is something that is not always easy to overcome. Um, so I've, I've tried to change the conversation a little bit, and not just in in the current uh, role that I'm in, but in previous roles, and try and provide a little bit more insight about what Agile means. Because I think a lot of people think that Agile means, well, we don't plan, we don't specify things, we just kind of you know go with the flow. But Agile isn't really about that. It's, it's about continual refinement. And what it's about is setting those kind of short-term, medium-term, and long-term horizons. And as we go nearer those horizons, we start refining and sizing um, the requirements to, to a point where we can more accurately estimate. Um, so the way that I often talk to the businesses, I talk to them about themes, and we can still have product roadmaps, we can still plan, we can have releases. But as we look to that longer-term horizon, we're really talking about themes of work and, and what are the product themes that we want to get into you know, over the course of the next couple of years. And then as that horizon comes closer and we think about the medium term, maybe we break that down into quarters. So what's our focus going to be and which themes are we going to break down maybe into projects in the, in the next quarter, the next two quarters? And then we come even closer and we talk about, well, what does that project look like in terms of the actual user stories, as we call them? And then we break those user stories down uh, and we're able to give more accurate estimates at a, at a lower level uh, at that closer horizon. Yeah. So a lot of it is about educating the business to help them understand, first of all, what agile means and then why it's of benefit to the organization. Uh, because you know, the business parameters change very frequently, don't they? And uh, mm. the way the business is in January is rarely the same as it's going to be in December. Especially in 2020. Yes, exactly. I, that that's a point as well that's worth kind of, I suppose, dwelling on for a second. Has what we're going through made it easier or harder to work in an agile way, or actually is it is it being quite not not really a massive impact? Because 
I always think of agile. I think of kind of stand-ups and lean and like, I kind of mm. imagine people getting together and having a conversation in person at the beginning yeah. of the day. And then now you can do that online, obviously, but I, I don't know. I don't know whether it's, whether you feel it's made any impact at all or whether actually it's, it's been quite easy to carry on as, as, as it was in, in terms of the dynamic. Yeah. I mean, I think speaking purely from the kind of engineering and tech perspective, um, things haven't really changed. And in, in some ways, having um, an agile way of working with those regular check-in points that you've talked about, we, you know, we, we use an agile methodology called Scrum, mm. which has various ceremonies or events that are, that are built in to a, to a two-week cadence that we use. And so when we've got remote teams, that's actually really helpful because it means that at least once every day, the teams come together, whether it's over Google Meet or Zoom or Teams, and there is a natural check-in point where people have the opportunity to talk about what they did yesterday, what they're going to do today, and any impediments. And then if there are conversations that need to happen after that, those can be arranged and they're identified. So actually, it's helpful for remote teams. Uh, whereas if you think about working in a waterfall environment, you might have had a huge planning session and a specification that's written there's a six-month program of work and you're beavering away by yourself and you may not ever uh, or rarely chat to people. Whereas within Agile, we have those daily check-ins and then we also have two or three other ceremonies um, within that, that fortnight block. Um, and it's actually very helpful um, to do that. So we haven't found it um, a detriment at all. And and in fact, it's it's probably helping because we're, we're, we're able to have those conversations with the business more frequently and, and that allow them to, to see progress. With regards to kind of uh, that, that culture of continuous delivery and yeah. small, frequent mm-hmm. releases, again, I suppose there might be an argument that this has been somewhat helpful because we've gone in a world where we went from kind of, well, the, the opportunity to work remotely was there, but a lot of these systems were, I know they were in, if I look at our own organization, we had teams. I've spoken about this on the podcast on a number of episodes now, but we've had teams and we didn't really embrace it. Yeah. And then we went into a remote environment and we all embraced it. And now there's kind of a culture of where the new tech comes along and everyone's a bit more kind of, okay, yeah, we we, we go with it because we're, I suppose, in a more flexible mindset because everything's been yeah. torn up and, and put back together in the last six months. Again, is, has that had a, has that, if anything, had a beneficial impact on the idea of being able to, to release and then to, to do so at a quick timescales? Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, it, it touches on some of the things that we've we've talked about already this afternoon, and um, the the importance for me is in bridging that gap between an engineering function and and the rest of the organisation is to make sure that there is a a natural and frequent uh, sort of chain of communication. If you want to use that phrase, so mm-hmm. making sure that uh, what you're doing, the reasons that you're doing it, are understood by the rest of the organisation. So that there isn't this sense of disconnect. Well, I've no idea what the engineering and tech function are doing. I don't know what value they're bringing to me in my role as a business development manager or an account manager or a member of the finance team, uh, whatever whatever that might be. And part of that communication is giving visibility of of progress. Uh, and if you can deliver um, continuously and have frequent deliveries that gives you something to talk about and that gives you the opportunity to go to the rest of the organization and say, well, look at what we've delivered. Now that delivery may not be huge and it may not be, you know, a hugely significant impact, but the fact that there is progress there 
and we've had something else to talk about within a two-week period of when we last spoke to you about something. And so they can see small incremental changes. So the, the sense there is that there is progress. Whereas if you go for months and months and there's no communication, people think, well, what are they doing? Are they actually doing anything? <laughs> um, and they think, well, what's the value of that, that part of the organization? What's the value to the organization as a whole? And what's the value to me in my particular role? So it's, it's um, really important that we can, we can show progress. And that continuous delivery process is something that we've spent quite a bit of time investing in. So if you talk in engineering language about um, CI pipelines and, um, and continuous builds and all of that, we, we, we're pushing to production all of the time. So long gone is the, the process of where we'll deploy into a QA environment or sit on the shelf, wait for some test resource to become available, and then we might ship it in a couple of months. We're, we're literally you know, developing, testing, and releasing into production you know, during that two-week sprint cycle. So we, we don't want to leave product sitting on the shelf. We want to get it out there and uh, give the product team something to, to talk about. You've talked a lot about bridging the gap. Yeah. Um, which I suppose suggests a, a, a soft skill set being quite important in the modern engineer. But what, what do you think makes a good engineer these days? <laughs> um, I mean, I think communication is, is, is absolutely key, particularly now we're in a, a remote environment. And whilst there are those regular checking points that we've talked about, people need to be able to have the confidence just to, you know, send someone a Slack message or, you know, speak up if they if they need help and also offer to help out with with their peers. Um, uh, so someone that is able and willing um, to metaphorically pick up the phone and speak to their peers and um, is someone that, that really values the team culture um, and understands that by just working alone, we're not going to create the best product and the, the best outcome. So, some, so an engineer for me that understands the value of the team, understands that whilst they have experiences um, and they have domain expertise, equally so do their peers, and we have to learn from each other. Um, no one has the monopoly on all knowledge. Um, there's so much knowledge out there that, that we need to, uh, need to all learn. Um, so communication is vital, and, and clearly when we're making decisions and when we are delivering rapidly, we have to all be aligned in terms of well, what is the outcome we're looking for? What are the goals we're trying trying to achieve? Um, so the ability to, to communicate well, you know, verbally and written in the written form um, to make sure that everybody's aligned, that's, that's vitally important. Um, the value of the team, having a mindset that it's the, the team that is delivering here, not just a, a set of disconnected individuals. Um, and then clearly people that have the hard skills, you know, to be able to to actually do the work that that's paramount um mm. but alongside that a willingness to learn and um and, and a desire to to try and um expand your own knowledge um and your own experience um and and we have at sales cycle i think a quite an interesting tech stack it's all microservices based there are a number of languages involved it's hosted in aws we've got cloud native services there so there are lots of opportunities to learn lots of things. Um, and whilst we may look for certain experiences to help us with particular requirements, it's better that someone has an aptitude to learn quickly and a desire to learn quickly 
um, and and they can then be very flexible and work on a, a number of different uh, technologies within the within the overall stack. Um, so yeah, it's 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 all of those things. Soft skills are really important to me, uh, and the culture, um, you know, supporting each other and having a desire to to get better and, and do things better the next time. Whatever we come to, let's do it better than we did it did it before. Well, look, if someone's listening to that, you do you are growing the team at the moment. We'll include some links to okay. some of the open vacancies that you've got in the show notes. Mm-hmm. So if someone's interested on in listening to this, have a check of those show notes. Uh, but Jonathan, it's been lovely to talk to you. It's lovely to talk to someone in the Northeast, always on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta be biased, you know. <laughs> If the host is from the Northeast, we're always going to be biased. Sorry, Thank anyone you. from London. <laughs> uh, but look, enjoy the rest of your day and thanks for spending some time. Thank you very much. <laughs> there is one laughable thing where I mention uh, that obviously I've been buying fashionable stuff during lockdown. Yeah. Uh, I, was... I was wondering what you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things, mate. I mean, the amount of times we've been on a call and you've pulled your... I think there's been a few times actually where you've actually pulled your mail out in front of me. Like the other day it was a fashionable football shirt that was quite fashionable yeah, that, that was that yeah, was yeah um there's also been wasn't there a time when you thought your trainers were arriving but it was actually face masks instead yes yeah so that was the time that wasn't uh, fashionable yeah and then i think the other time when i may have rang you was uh when you just received your tr- new balance trainers yeah. which i would argue are fashionable but others might disagree yeah I mean, it depends what side of fashion you sit on <laughs> to be fair but Mate, look, they're good, and as long as you're comfortable whilst running, that's that's all that matters. So you see, I, I think that Jonathan Preston sales cycle have an unenviable task in so, in some regard, because my wife likes putting things in her virtual basket. Mm. It's like she's walking around the shop and she just likes having things in the basket. Yeah. So she will literally have thousands of pounds worth of products in yeah. the basket. She doesn't realise mm. that, of course, that's loss of revenue for the organisation, because as long as it's in the basket... They have to put it to one side, mm. so notice no one else can buy, buy what's it, yeah. in your in your basket. Mm. And she literally has stuff just sitting there. How long though? Just oh, as long as whenever. it is before. I, I, yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure if it's indefinite or not, but Ooh. she will just have stuff just sitting there. And I'm I'm sure people don't realise what that actually can do to a business. No, I, d- I didn't think it. Would. Yeah, no, it's very true because at any point you could just come back and and choose to buy it all, right? Hmm. And then if it's not available, then I'm assuming the consumer would be pretty peed off. Well, yeah, I mean, the one one of the ways that I found out what this yep. actually does to a retail business was um, not this summer just gone, but the summer before, yep. Newcastle United fans mm-hmm. en masse put thousands, like tens of thousands of pounds worth of Sports Direct produce in their virtual baskets and just left it there to cripple the operation. Really? To try and form a protest. Like, yes. okay, we can't... How, how are we going to put some pressure on Mike Ashley yeah, yeah, that we yeah, don't yeah. want him at yeah, our football club? Yeah. We'll have hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of products that they can't sell because it's sitting in our basket. Oh, my God. So someone was sat there with about 70 Umbro footballs just in there. <laughs> Massive <laughs> mugs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, obviously that was organised. It was yeah. organised for a reason, but it does draw attention to actually the fact that a business, if, if, if it's, it does need to interact with people. So when... when um, when Jonathan talks about the fact that, you know, they, they try and recover lost revenue, mm. it really is. It's lost. As long as it's just sitting in that basket doing nothing, yeah, if that yeah. person isn't going to click buy, yeah. it is lost revenue. Yeah, it is. And I, and I think that's so difficult, especially now where a lot of people have so much more time to browse mm. and shop. 
I mean, if you were to compare it on a normal, let's say what's normal anymore, but on a normal you know, time, if you were looking for something online, maybe you'd look on one, two, I'm only talking for myself here, you know, two sites maybe, and they're mm. normally your Amazons or eBay or, you know, some sort of third party. And then you'd normally choose to buy it of one or the other, depending, for me, it's always, not necessarily the price, it's how quickly I can get the item. So if something's telling me, oh, three days, or the other one's saying a week, I'll be like, right, I'll take it in three days, because then if I like it, I like it. If I don't, I can always return mm. it back rather than waiting. Whereas now, I think a lot of consumers have so many options and so much more time to now browse. There's also the other impact of the financial side of it. You know, there might not be that much disposable income, so people need to actually hold on or just have something in the background to be like, right, I can come back later to this. Or mm. do you know what I mean? So I think it's, I think whilst yes, it is a crippling effect to organisations, I think still it can have an element of you know you have to have that human point of it as well and understand why people are doing it i think um, yeah. but yeah it's just it's crazy i, I don't think it would be that much of an effect to be honest i kind of feel bad a little bit because <laughs> i've actually got some th- <laughs> i've got some trainers actually in a uh in a basket i won't mention the website but uh yeah <laughs> just waiting <laughs> they're uh they're a pair of rainbow new balance ones right uh no nah, not in my size unfortunately right, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise they're the top of my list mate <laughs> yeah of course sold um, out in uk 11 <laughs> right uh just on the point of of engineers and working in an agile mm. way he talks about continual refinement he talks about you know um, being able to estimate more accurately and reducing horizons, so breaking it down by cause mm. and then breaking it down by user stories, pulling those horizons closer, and being able to educate the business. And listening to it, it was, it was interesting because I don't think he talked a huge amount by this point about communication. Mm. He goes on to talk about communication in terms of a good engineer. Mm. But to me, again, it was just all about communication. Yeah. You know, you can dress it up any way which you want, yep. but right now, businesses need to be able to communicate effectively. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, I to be fair... You know, I think he mentioned it in the interview where agile isn't the kind of, you know, you wake up one day, you might have a different idea, then you go out and change it and then you do something else and there's not much thought or planning around it. Mm. Um, not to say agile is like some hippie way of, of <laughs> I don't know, of designing or, you know, of, of kind of software development. But I think, it, I think what it opened up to me was that there is a lot more methodical planning and approach to it Mm. but I guess the beauty of an agile way of working is there is that communication and also that piece of we can just go back and change it or alter things if we need to yeah I think I think what they do and and how he explained it um I think that's great to be fair like it, it is just all about communication now more so than ever yeah um I mean, look at our organisation, for example. I mean, we've been basing the last, well, best part of this year all on communication and and, and, and that needs to be both ways. That needs to be from, you know, not just the, 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 the doers or, or the people that make the changes or the management. It needs to be across the organisation. Mm. Um, and I think there's been frustrations in every organisation that I know of around clear communication channels, transparency, Yes, there are times where certain people may not need to know certain things. I completely agree and, and understand with that. But I think the overall communication needs to be as watertight as it can be at the moment. Yeah, well, it sounds so. reason. You're not in the office, therefore you want to feel more connected. Yeah, best way. yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, I find it interesting as well that he talks about good communi- good engineers and good communication, understanding the, t- the value of team and peers, and then learning from each other and that no one has a monopoly on knowledge, which kind of 
is if you think about an engineer, you kind of tend to think about someone sat very much on a mm. silo. And this is the traditional view. Yeah. Probably, well, it is outdated. Uh, but, you know, someone who's, who's that really kind of excellent coder who can just crack on mm. and write code and fantastic. Mm. And it was really interesting to not hear him talk about the technical side at all mm. and to talk about a good engineer and focus on the soft skills mm. and actually being able to share that knowledge rather than just being in a room and working away. Yeah, I always thought that as well, to be fair. I thought the, the engineers are always the oracle. You know, it's the... What other phrases do we hear in the industry? SME or, mm. you know, they kind of know everything and he or she is that person that just sits there and is able to just crack on with lines of code like no, you know, like no one's business. But I think the fact that now, again, because there isn't that kind of... I don't know if it's COVID. I don't know if it's remote working. I don't know if it's organisations changing. Mm -hmm. I think now maybe organisations are now finding, right, okay, um, we've got a certain skill set available to us, so why don't we broaden that out so everyone is, you know, can grab a piece of the pie, if that mm. makes sense. So if there is someone that knows a bit more about a technology or a programming language or something, you know, which may help the team, then that communication, the softer skills around collaboration, about helping each other and actually communicating, that will help the wider workforce which in turn should help the productivity and productivity brings cash revenue yeah. you yeah. know so I, I think that would help the organizations um to that extent in in my opinion but yeah it's it's an odd one because i always thought that the the engineer would just be the person that knows everything where yeah. i think now it's very much we're going to share this knowledge out and it's all about the person and how they bring a team forward you know pull them up together Jonathan I want to say thank you for being our guest on this episode uh, good luck to sales cycle as you know they're going through a bit of a a bit of a hiring surge there so we'll make sure that there's some links for you to follow in the show notes yep. we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and have a chat about how Apple are tackling the gender bias mm. now that we're officially in the run into Christmas why not think about giving a gift with a story behind it Alive and Kicking are using football as a force for good and helping to support mental health education across Africa. You can do the same by giving someone a football from aliveandkicking.org forward slash shop. Now the footballs come in retro 90s kit designs. So go have a look and give a unique gift that will help make a huge difference to more than just the person who receives it this Christmas. My wife's been away for the last week, yep. which has meant that I've probably been on my phone more than I normally would be later in the evening. Talking and to her and messaging her, telling her how much you miss her. Mate, I can evidence that that's the truth. <laughs> you know what I've noticed? What? My hands are a bit small for my phone. I've dropped it on my face quite a few times. If I'm lying in bed yep. and my cat is snuggled up and we're having yeah, a bit yeah. of comfy, you know, a bit of yeah, cosy yeah. time and stroking stro stro you know, a chin... And I've got my phone like this and I'm laying in bed. Yeah. And for anyone who can't see, I'm basically holding my phone above my head. Yeah. And then I try and reach over yeah. to press a button. Yeah. I end up dropping the phone on my face. Yeah. So it's interesting to see that Apple... It hurts as well because that's happened to me. Yeah. And you don't wear glasses. Sometimes I'm, I'm lying down <laughs> on the sofa wearing glasses. And when I do that, it falls right on the bridge of my glass. And it, it does bloody hurt, I'll tell yeah. you that. It, yeah. it does hurt. So Apple iPhone 12 <clears throat> mini mm. is the first flagship phone to go down in size. Mm. And they're saying that this is great uh, for tackling gender bias. And it makes sense, right? Most women's hands are smaller than mine. Mm. Um, 
And if I find my phone at times a little bit big, mm. Christ, my, my wife must struggle with her iPhone 11. Yeah. I mean, she tells me I see her. She texts, she holds it like Albert. She texts with both yeah, hands. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's quite cool, actually, to think about this, not in terms of... Because it has been bigger and bigger and bigger, smartphone yeah. trend. Yeah. And actually, there's a practicality of making it small. It's not just small to be different. It's small mm. because it's more user-friendly. It is, yeah. And also, I think they've... Um, not just uh, gender. Maybe there's guys with small hands. Pete Weston. Pete Weston. Um, no one knows. One of our colleagues, Pete Weston, probably if, related to Donald Trump. In fact, yeah, he was. At, he's actually in... We can see him at the yeah, moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he really struggles to hold a normal <laughs> iPhone. Um, but the thing is, I, th- I think it's great to be fair because they've also launched a bigger one, right? Yeah. There, there, there is a, a bigger one as well. Um, but I think that's, that's very, very good. And also, more Apple models, more consumers. I'm sure they'll take a little bit more market yeah. share. Cheaper price point. Cheaper price point. And they, as well, expect, yeah. they expect they um, expect because they, they got they got barrage for that last time, didn't they? When the when the last one came out, I think for the price they got absolutely. Well, mate, mate I've got I've got a One Plus, and yeah. one of the reasons I went for a One Plus was because I went. It does everything I need it to do. Yeah. And it's about five hundred quid, yeah, yeah, yeah. not nearly a thousand pounds. Yeah, 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 this yeah. is mental. Why yeah. would I pay almost double the price for a product that's not conceivably that mm. different? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely, definitely. So. I, th- I think it may open up uh, a whole new market share um, for them, to be honest. And and also, the thing is, I personally, and I, I don't know if it's just me, because they've launched for the first time, I think, about two, three or four maybe different models of the same phone. There's like mm. a mini, then there's a normal, then there's a, a pro, and then there's a pro max. Mm. Could it also be because of the, the way the world is and, and working? Could organizations now that maybe didn't offer handsets or phones and you know these sorts of things could it also be catering them so let's say for argument's sake an organization wants to buy ten thousand phones from them or a thousand phones maybe it makes it more let's face appealing. it kind of post post covid you, yeah you, you, the smartphone has never been more valuable to be perfectly honest 100 percent. i mean we're in the office today that we've already mentioned and the first thing you notice is no desk phones there's no yeah you know there's no kind of clamming there's no there's none of that kind of i mean i was quite notorious for it but i always used to dial out on the on the speaker mm-hmm. um, and those around me used to get very annoyed but now it's all on your on your smartphone right emails yeah. phones everything so i think i think apple what they're doing is is good um i'm sure there'll be an apple catch somewhere well i don't think so and no? and and you know the article that we've got here uh we've been quite nice to apple are we today we are yeah yeah uh, ben wood head of tech consultancy ccs insight said after years of phones getting progressively bigger mm. apple is reversing the trend by offering a flagship model in a smaller package i think it'll be a hugely popular move where apple goes others follow expect all rivals with similar moves in the next 12 months so if that means there's a whole market for slightly more friendly phones that don't fall on your face so often yep not a bad thing over to you samsung Let's see you introduce a smaller phone. <laughs> it's all going to go the other way now. Yeah. <laughs> God. Right. Right. Well, Akish, this might be the last time that we do this in person for 2020. So, uh, happy Christmas. Happy, happy New Year, year. mate. <laughs> and, uh, oh yeah, happy Halloween as well. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Let's not forget that. Yep. Um, but, yeah, thanks for tuning in. And we'll be back next week. Oh!